Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of State of the Art. And if you've been following along, you know that this month we've had Meg Zaney, our guest host, uh, leading along the conversation on sex positivity, had some really awesome guests, a couple artists, as well as um, the founder and what is she, CEO of Arsenic? Founder and yes, I guess CEO. No, I don't think she's CEO. I think she's co-founder. I'm not sure of her title, but yeah, yeah definitely. Some lead executive there. But yeah, it's it's been an awesome month. Um, a lot of really interesting conversations around art and sex positivity. So thank you so much, Meg Zaney, for for doing this. Um, uh, first of all, welcome back. I'm I'm happy to like be interviewing you again. How are you feeling? Thanks. Uh, I had an absolute blast. Um, you know, I think if you ever felt like you wanted to retire from state of the art, but didn't <laughs> want to put the team down and wanted to find your replacement prior to, uh, to share with the team that you were going to dip out, I would gladly take over permanently. I think <laughs> that's awesome. Tell state me. of the art turns out. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what you've loved about it. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I mean, so I think obviously it's a ton of things. Um, I used to interview people for a living for eight years. So I find a lot of comfort in it. I'm also a super good listener. So that helps. I'm also super interested in the topic that we were discussing. I think that also uh, is probably the, the biggest piece of it. I just loved learning about what people had to say I mean, through their lens of the subject and, and living in the space. It was, it gave me the ability to walk down these people's lane and see how they saw the world for whatever it was, 45 minutes or an hour that we were hanging out on the podcast. And, you know, it's it definitely goes along with what I was already thinking, but I feel like I definitely learned. I learned, um, you know, just sort of it just it's sort of. Uh, I mean, I think we're all talking the same thing. We're all speaking positive about the subject, but it's it's. You know, there's many facets of this subject. Yeah. And and so seeing all those facets was really cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious specifically, um, one of the one of the, the questions that you asked, I think, in all of your interviews was sort of how do you how do you separate out or do you separate out the relationship between uh, sort of feminism, sex positivity, and identity politics. Um, and I'm curious, sort of in your conversations with uh, with these awesome guests, has your own perspective on that particular question changed? No, I think I think that they do all sort of get lumped in together. I still hate identity politics. <laughs> I still think <laughs> getting nowhere with them. Um, you know, I really loved that Shanae said, um, you know, 
body forward, sex forward. I thought that that was a really cool take on the conversation because it is all encompassing where people can be for it, but not necessarily indulge. I thought that was really important piece. Um, and then to sort of label it as that, um, I, I also, I was just, I don't want to say blown away by it, but it's like, Oh, right. Yeah. Because being sex positive could definitely, that could be a hard way for someone to explain that they embrace the subject but aren't necessarily involved in the subject. Um, and I, I think that that sort of parallels my view of feminism, where I think everyone should, is, and could be a feminist. However, I feel that that term is not all-encompassing. Hmm. You know, I think that, that might be the it's like if a man thinks that everyone should have equal rights why would they sit back and say that they're feminist when what they really mean is that they're an equalitarian or you know that they're there for equality why wouldn't they say that and so i think you know there is a many many ways it's going to cap but it's you know it's all about how we approach it and i and i think that that's the stigma around feminism is it is that it's it's just that it's like it's directed more towards women and i i i i understand and i sympathize with people that may sort of take back and sort of are are you know unwilling to approach it because of that label hmm. Do you think so? One of the things that I thought was interesting was, you know, I think that um, Shawnee and Amanda were pretty quick to consider themselves feminists, right? Um, whereas uh, I think you and uh, Uncle Reezy in the interviews were a little bit more reticent to um, to to commit to at least the semantics of being called feminist or to have your work labeled as feminist. Um, what do you think is kind of the difference in perspectives between um, you and Uncle Reezy and Amanda and Shane? You know, it's funny that you say that because I've sort of felt like after speaking with Uncle Reezy, she was totally gung ho. She was like, yeah, I am a feminist and my work is feminist art. Yeah. It totally is. And so I would definitely say that maybe I was more um, the outcast in it. And I, and I think that that's it. I think it's part of it is I don't want to exclude anyone. And that's my message. Like, I don't think people should be excluded, period. I think we should all be out there doing our own thing. But we're all trying to push the needle forward. Sure. Do Do you think that, I mean, do you think that this is a problem in the actual sort of philosophies and tenets of feminism? Or do you think it's a problem in sort of the semantics around how we use feminism in sort of our daily vernacular? Well, you know, 
it's where we all came from, you know, and what, I mean, how early has this word been thrown around and sort of the context around it. I think sometimes you have to build a new system in order for that system to be embraced. Um, and, and that for me is sort of like, we don't need to shy away from feminism or the word at all. I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud. I definitely, my father was a feminist and I, I would definitely say I was raised by a feminist. And so to say that I'm not or to shy away from it, that's really hard to do. But I'm sort of saying, let's look at it as a new system. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, I, I'm curious to like to 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 move the conversation a, a forward a little bit. Um, there's another term that that you sort of repeatedly got into conversations with um, that is related, and I'm curious, kind of again, how your thoughts have evolved if they've evolved. Um, and that is using the term sex object to talk about, um, well, anything, but specifically people. Um, now that you're kind of back in the guest seat, what are your thoughts on the term? Um, yeah, that's, that's really fun. Uh, I, at first, was definitely like, okay, like, how can we switch this term around and and so that people on the receiving end of it aren't um they they don't they don't feel terrible when it's used at them um and i think that that was my whole reason for exploring how can we or can we turn this into a positive um but you know at the end of the day and when I first interviewed Amanda about it and she's like, well, that's, let's not obscure exactly what our language is set out. And we have these rules of what an object is or what words are that, you know, they relate to people, places, things. Um, and she's like, let's not move away from that. An object is an object. We don't need to start calling a stove. He, she, it, you know, and I and and for me it was like okay, cool. Like let's keep it simple. Like let's get back to basics and let's keep let's not change the vernacular on that. Um, and I think that I'm such a nurturer that I'm like I don't want anyone to hurt. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you know, someone being called a sex object, I think you know, is it hard to digest that? And yeah, it is. Like, I, am I a sex object? Currently, I don't think I am, but I'm sure I'm probably someone's sex object. Um, hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, am I someone's reason to masturbate? Probably. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, for me, um, that's reality. But I think that kind of goes into like, 
my own personal body dysphoria where I I don't necessarily like my body all the time. Hmm. And by all the time, I mean probably 96%. I'm just like, ugh. Uh, and I don't know if that's that goes along with like the same thing of like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I'm just super awkward as a human. <laughs> um, but like, you know, a big part of the reason I don't like summer is because I tend to not wear a lot of clothes because it's hot and I hate being hot. But on the other side of that is I hate being oogled. I hate being catcalled. If I'm wearing short shorts in the summer and standing on the corner waiting for the light to turn so I can cross the street, I don't need dude yelling out the fucking car at me and like telling me I'm looking hot. Yes, it's 95 degrees outside. It is hot. Like I don't need additionals. Hmm. So, um, you know, I think that that stems uh, a lot for me. So, so then turning around and being a sex object um, when I'm not trying to be, that's really hard to digest. Hmm. So, so it sounds like for you, the thought is that context is really important. That, that the idea of being a sex object in the context of like an intimate sexual sort of scenario is one thing, but walking down the street, wearing shorts because it's summer is a very different sort of context is that a safe evaluation totally yeah yeah um place yeah it, you know i mean for me i think there's something interesting too about like the nature of um of like sex drive is sort of you know it's a primitive primal thing right and i i think for me whenever i hear the term sex object um, like my mind doesn't immediately necessarily go to objectification of a human being, although obviously that's part of it. It goes to that sort of that place where it's like, well, you know, sex is a primal drive. And at some point, you know, in in a sexual scenario, like it does get animalistic and it kind of does become objectified. And so, you know, why are we trying to run away from that? Um, as opposed to sort of just understanding that there's a time and place for these things. And, you know, again, like you said, walking down the street, wearing less clothes, not because you're trying to pick up a sexual partner, but because it's hot out is a little bit different, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but right. you did... You oh. d you did get some like adverse reactions, right? Like Sean A, if I remember correctly, was not as um as interested in the term sex or sex object, right? I actually don't think I got. I don't think I ended up asking her. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I had like five other questions that I wanted to get to, <laughs> and I just didn't. Um, I feel like I could do a part two with her. Yeah, she was a wealth of information, right? Yeah. So yeah, and she definitely had she had a lot to share, and I, I, you know, um, I really enjoyed talking about positions of power with her. Hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of 
I think the biggest piece was the, that last question that I was asking her was, is the person, does the person that has the penetration object, is that the person in power? Hmm. And for me, that was sort of a loaded question for her. And I, I kind of liked that she didn't want to answer it, which made me then had to repeat my question three times. I think I ended up repeating it like <laughs> times. Right. Um, but the fact that she kept sort of like moving around the conversation and not really answering the question was huge for me because I was just like, what, like, let's be real right now. It actually is the position of power. Whoever is being the, the penetrator is the one that is that, that, yeah, we traditionally, that is how we look at positions of power. And I think that she had a really beautiful thing that added to it, which it was sort of like, well, the sub is actually the one in, in power. And you would hope that that's the way that it goes. But actuality is no. Right now, as we're living and as we've been living for how many thousands of years, no, the person receiving is not the person in power. Um, but I think that that's a really interesting subject to start talking about. And I sort of, in my head, I related it to, like, what's going on in France right now? And this hmm. is, I'm not going to digress. I promise this will, will come around to a, a full thought. <laughs> I'm very curious. You have me. Um, so, you know, right now they're, they're basically working to have like the next civil movement. They're being, they're very orchestrated in their, um, their negotiations, you know, the, the, and I don't know how much, you know, but it's, you know, the yellow, they're calling them yellow vesters because every person, um, that drives an automobile has to have a yellow vest in their car for safety. So right. they are taking that as like, you know, here um, we are civilians and now we are going up against, um, you know, the, the the people in power and actually demanding that we want things changed. And so every weekend they've been going out and very organized, but very like, hey, we want to be heard as people. And they're actually pushing the needle forward. They're actually getting things accomplished and so how this relates is like okay you know if we are really talking about positions of power and this is sort of why i think it's interesting um that that everyone should brush up on on the the like first rule of bdsm which is you start talking about everything you start you, you know you you sort of numb the idea that you it's taboo to talk about sex hmm. uh, and so I sort of I sort of think like okay let's talk about positions of power and I think that that goes along with getting consent like I think that that's you know you start talking about 
consent and then you talk about, you know, things that you like or things that you don't like. And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it could end up being this super beautiful thing that happens between two people because everyone's on the same page. Hmm. So, so, so what is, I, I guess, to kind of bring it full circle, what is your sort of, you know, what would your answer be to the question that you posed to Shawnee about, you know, who is the, who holds the power? What's your personal perspective on that? Yeah, I think if you're not having a conversation, then it is the person that's penetrating that has the power. Hmm. Um, just because that is what we are hardwired to believe. That's the, the action that's already set in place. It's just something that we've already been conditioned for. And I think that, yeah, I think it could definitely be changed, but it's a conversation. Hmm. Do you think that... It- you know, I think that like the the alternative perspective is um, sort of an idea of gatekeeping almost that, um, you know, in that in that sort of sub dom relationship that like while the dominant one or the one with the penetrating instrument, as it were, like might be um, the one that has kind of the physical power that the sub is the one who gets to pull the levers, right? That gets to turn things on and off based on that consent, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. And whether that be, you know, predecided code words um, or what what have you. Yeah, I think it, I, yeah, I definitely think that that's, that that's it. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, like, uh, I want to take a little bit of a parallel step here, um, because I think that like a, a, a similar issue in a conversation that has happened, um, probably most relevantly sort of with Amanda, um, but it's something that like, you know, we're hearing a lot about now with kind of like the Instagram models and stuff like that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's still a lot of debate over sort of the portrayal and display of female bodies right um and specifically you know we're seeing it talked about now sort of in this era where um where women choose to to make careers out of posing provocatively whatever um on instagram for likes and then for money what is your kind of perspective on on the role of that in uh in the sex positive movement, especially as it relates to sort of this position of power conversation. Yeah, I think it definitely relates. I think, you know, I was super proud when Amanda mentioned that the, the good things that are coming out of social media, because for some reason I am, it's definitely a dark place for me because I think I find a lot of frustration. Social media um, in general? In general. Okay. Right. And and I think mostly it's because, um, yeah, people, I think the algorithms frustrate me, but I think everyone's on the same page with that. But I also think that social media for me 
I, I have a lot of frustration in it because people feel that they're at liberty to express themselves however the fuck they want to. Mm. And it's like, you know, I have this, this rule where even I have to take a step back and go, okay, standing in the line at the grocery store, would I say this to this person? Right. <laughs> No, I wouldn't say this to this person. Okay, keep it inside. Like, let's keep going. And I think that, you know, that's hard as now is like, you know, there's all these like online grocery delivering services that people are going <laughs> to forget how we actually do interact with each other. Yeah. But, you know, and this is it, though. This is this, this needs to be some sort of a hard, fast rule where everyone vibes it and is like okay is, is this mean like is this or is this inappropriate is this you know a provocative thing that like is not time and place like call back in our beginning of our conversation time and place you know and 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 I think that because people may be sitting from their bedroom and you know they're ready for this certain feelings but the person on the receiving end of it is not and so so yeah so that's and I, I totally digress from your question but that's so that's a lot of my frustration with social media and um I love that Amanda shed the light on it for me though was was one that women are probably more so today than ever before entrepreneurs and they run their business and they're able to make legit money doing what they do. And two was, you know, she, she actually touched on the subject of that. This could possibly turn fake news around. If everyone starts reporting what they actually know on a personal basis, you know, this, Hmm. this, this is how we could sort of get out of that. Um, so yeah, I think, and now I really digress. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I mean, yeah, so I, so that was, that's a big piece of it for me though, was that, um, am I missing your question? I think I started to go into it. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think kind of at the end of the day, the question for me comes down to, you know, uh, on one hand, um, we see these women uh, sort of taking the bull by the horns and saying, look, if if this is if sex is going to sell, right, like if um, if posing provocatively is kind of like what greases the wheels of the engine. And if that's what's going to happen anyways, why don't I sort of um, run the process and uh at least take control of the process and do it on my terms, right? That's kind of one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is, well, you know, what's the difference between a man objectifying women and women objectifying women? Um, And I'm curious, you know, like, is there, do you think, and, you know, look, this is all sort of mental masturbation, right? Like this is all an exercise, but I'm curious what your perspective is on that. you know, is it possible to do that in a healthy way that doesn't sort of um, detract from 
other what what other women are trying to do to fight for their equality and their own rights. Absolutely. And I think this is a really interesting point because I think I also spoke with Uncle Reezy about this and it was um Uncle Reezy, are you objectifying women by drawing women? And she right, she right. definitely was like, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a woman and this is what I do. And you know, she you know, she she definitely has a fair point of of, you know, she is creating these illustrations of you know, her fantasies, things that her friends have done. So yeah, so it's this super fine line yeah. of who is objectifying women. And I I agree with that. It's, you know, because Amanda is a woman and is able to provide this amazing platform and opportunity for women that are able to use it as a launching pad and thrive in a world where maybe they wouldn't prior get the um the accolades for but because arsenic validates and goes these women are badass and doing rad shit and um you know he, we're we're using our platform to help them leverage their career you know i, I think that that's that's what that is it's i, I don't think that amanda is objectifying women at all she's providing a safe space Hmm. so so yeah so so it is it's definitely i don't know case by case scenario i suppose yeah because absolutely women can objectify other women totally yeah well uh, you know i mean again that kind of goes back to the original question too around sort of this notion of objectification and you know, use of the term sex object, like the question is, is that necessarily a bad thing, right? Right. Well, now that's, that puts a whole new spin on what is, is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, and that's it too. Are we, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's a a total hard pill to swallow is, is objectification. Um, you know, and, and me standing, waiting to cross the street in my shorts, um, and someone yelling their desires out at me, um, you know, am I being objectified there? And, you know, I think, I think it definitely, yeah. Cause how else would we call that? What else would we say that that is right. if we start to blur those lines of, can we make objectification of sexy thing? You know, then we don't have words left to um, say what actually is not appropriate. Right. Uh, And, and, you know, that's, yeah, that's something that's super frustrating. I mean, the Miriam Dictionary now looks at the word literally as could also be metaphorically. (laughs) Uh, Right. And what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Miriam Dictionary, can you reevaluate that, please? I forget, I forget what it is. This is like, you know, some grammar nerd stuff, but there's, there's actually a word that means, um, a word, which is also its own antonym. 
and that's that's what literally has become so like literally is defined as literal right but it's also in common use become its own opposite because of how people have polluted the word but that's funny so i i want to jump back for a second though because so you brought this up and it was actually a question i had written down almost verbatim and you were you were right there with it talking about uncle reezy and talking about sort of producing art from a woman's point of view and, you know, sort of this conversation about the male gaze versus the female gaze. And I'm curious, like what, you know, how would your perspective of, and I'm, I'm talking about kind of you, Meg Zaney, as a fan of Uncle Reezy, like how would it change your perspective on her work if, if it was created by a man, like if it was the same work created by a guy instead of um, Uncle Reezy? I can talk about this two different ways. I think the technical aspect, which would be the actual drawings themselves, are outstanding. They depict exactly what they're supposed to um, proportions are correct you know shading coloring everything is very aesthetically pleasing so yes if that was a man doing that i would go awesome you did a very good job technically um when it comes to the subject piece of it it then goes to (laughs) okay (laughs) um you know let's dive into this what what is this is this something that you're seeing and it's your fantasies i'm not necessarily the person that tell you that you can't i don't think that anyone should tell that person that they can't draw those things right um so total slippery slope you know, I think the reason I do love it so much is because Uncle Reezy brings this fun element to it where it actually breaks through the the, the taboo of it, of not talking about it. Her use of vibrant colors makes you want to talk about the subject. Because then it also almost feels not real. And so it opens up the conversation of masturbation or toy play um, or things that are a little bit more on the wild side of BDSM. And I think that she creates this conversation that's actually really easy to start having this this you know she kind of becomes the gatekeeper a little bit of of this dark scary place and she just i think it's it's beautiful the way that she opens up this world and uh, invites people in to start sharing yeah and (laughs) just in case listeners are confused because her artist name is uncle reezy i just want to make sure people know that um, she is very much a woman. She is not a man, despite yeah. her name being Uncle Reezy. Um, 
uh, definitely go back and check out that episode if you have not, because uh, her her conversation was very interesting. So, so I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is like you can't, you know, maybe my question wasn't a very fair question. Like you can't really divorce um, the artist and the artist's perspective from the work that they've created. Yeah, you know, and especially because it's all hypothetical. Right. Right. This this said man is hypothetical, and I. I can't put context to it to judge. Right. So I wouldn't even want to start to walk down that, that path. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this is another thing that I wanted to, to ping you on. Cause I think it's really interesting in, in all of your conversations, I think you did a really good job of talking to your guests about how, you know, this notion that sex positivity isn't really necessarily this what I think where people's heads immediately go is sort of this fire hose of kink and BDSM and, you know, like the weirdest sexual stuff that people are terrified to talk about. Um, but, you know, and sort of the point that Shawnee made about like sex positivity versus um, being sex forward, um, that it's not really that right. It's it's sort of being comfortable with sex sort of wherever you are on the spectrum, right? Um, and yet all of your guests, uh, I, I think maybe with the exception of Amanda, acknowledge that their work may at times make people uncomfortable or be, um, you know, a little extreme or um, be, you know, need to be taken with a certain amount of context. So how do you think, you know, more conservative or, you know, quote unquote, prudish types should be interacting with this kind of work? You know, it's interesting. I think even I think you can even include Amanda in that. I think that she she also mentioned that she would get a lot of people that would be like so appalled that that there were all these naked women on the account. And then people that do mm. stumble up the account just go, "Oh, this is just a bunch of naked women." You know, like gross. You. <laughs> you know, I I think it's approaching it. Yeah, I mean. You know, if you're asexual and that just does nothing for you, great, move on. Don't have the conversation, but then also don't badmouth it. Don't mm. trash it. That I think that goes along the same lines of like standing in line at the grocery store. You know, you have some woman that's that's definitely a little bit more flamboyant in the way that she dresses. Okay she's not directly upsetting you or even he, if the, 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 if there's a man that's flamboyantly dressed, they're not doing it as a personal attack to someone that doesn't want to see it. So move on, think about something else. And, and I think that that's the biggest piece is that, you know, we are as society, as this comes up more. And it's, I think it's all about how we let things into our own bubble. We are going to have to be able to control that. We have the ability to react when a certain action happens, right? We need to be able to have this, um, our own like onus of the way that someone flies off their handle or not flies off their handle and that's that's a big that's a big piece of it so 
So would you say in your estimation that that sort of a prudish or pearl clutching response to this stuff, do you think it's um, just not a helpful reaction or do you think it's actually sort of counterproductive to people becoming more comfortable with their own sort of sexual identities? I wouldn't say counterproductive. I think that there's a lot of people that still struggle with it hmm. because there's been this stigma around it, this negative thing. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that the the more that we let this out there, the more that people can just sort of relax and start to be themselves and be comfortable in their own skin. I mean, that's what we all are struggling with, right? And that's sort of, I think, again, what I was talking about in the beginning of just my own body dysphoria was like, you know, I am awkward as fuck as it is. And so how many other people out there can relate with me that are just like, ugh, like, what am I doing? Like, I, you know, I don't, my body doesn't look like a Disney princess body. Like, like, how do I hold to myself if I'm not in this standard? And I think that, you know, I think that it just goes back to like, how, how can everyone just be comfortable in their own skin? Yeah. And it's, it's stop judging everybody. You know, I did this strawberry shortcake piece um, not too long ago that says, if you're going to judge, you better hand, hand out prizes. And <laughs> I think that's just it. Swim to the beat of your own current. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Yeah. What so so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about kind of what your own relationship is to this movement and why it's important for you to be talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's um I think it's super important because it's something I deal with a lot and it's something I see a lot, but it's also I think it's important because it's closing the gap. Um, and and what I mean by by closing the gap is this this race that that men are so much better than women, and that women aren't as good as men because all we do all day is flaunt our bodies around and we don't use our brains and we should be home keeping the house clean. And I think that given what we have, women, women are beautiful, of course. And so we all know sex sells. And that's why is because there's a ton of beautiful women out there selling products. And so why aren't they looked at as this being of power? And I, and I think it's, it's, shedding light on that Hmm. and i think it's also you know i think it's also talking about how we raise girls i think it's giving them more opportunities to want to explore engineering or you know running a business or even being a model or if if you know, my little cousin is so into fashion and she's five and she like puts together these rad outfits <laughs> and you're just like, dude, like, can you come design my closet? Like, but it's, it's, 
I think it's embracing that, but also instilling that like you could be a fashion designer when you're older. Like you, if you're, if you love this and are super passionate about it, like go do something with that. And, and it's preparing them at a very young age to, you know, Hey, you're super into science. Like go do that thing. Go like explore it to no end. Um, and so I think, you know, I think that the, the biggest struggle right now that we're having is still, there's such a stigma around sex and women that are selling things and working with brands and companies and that they're, they're looked at as just a model, like quit saying just a model, like that's a job. And so we need to push this needle forward that there is no job lessor. Like we need, we need all these people to do these things. We need the janitor. Like we need the painter. We need all these people. So I just, I don't think that like one person is higher than the other. So, so uh, I'm curious though, what is your, so you know, obviously, so this one of the subtexts to this entire conversation is um, is sort of respecting where people are at and what their own boundaries are. So I certainly like don't want to ask you to divulge anything that you're not comfortable with. But I'm curious, you know, like you you mentioned a couple of times on in your interviews that you consider yourself to be a modest person. Um but at the same time, I mean, you're you're hosting this podcast, you're talking to people about how they're capturing master masturbation in their art and all this stuff. And, um, you know, so what does this mean to you? Like, what is, you know, what does this modesty mean to you? And what is your own sort of interest and fascination in seeing how people are evaluating sex positivity? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually a freak. Like, let's let's I'm I. um and and by that <laughs> i just mean like uh i don't necessarily share everything that i'm into um but i definitely i have a different side that i don't share it with everyone and i and i don't think that that, that means i mean maybe i shouldn't have used the word freak but it's like or maybe I should have. And that's what, that's why we should go down this path right now is like by social standards, I would then be considered a freak because I do talk about masturbation with my friends or, you know, I am into exploration of BDSM. Um, and I, um, you know, I'm bisexual and, um, all these other things. And yeah, by normal standards, I can be looked at as a freak. However, I think that I have a super normal, healthy sex life. Hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think it's just super important that, that for, for a lot of people to know that it's out there and to know that you can find your place wherever that place may be if you don't want to see it that you don't have to see it but if you are sort of exploring something that you think may be unhealthy that you should know that it actually could be very healthy. Hmm. 
So, so what part of that identity do you kind of think is modest? Like when you label yourself as a modest person, um, what does that mean to you? I think outwardly being modest, I'm not running up to every stranger and sharing my points of view on things. Hmm. If you wanted to sit down and have a conversation with me, I'm an open book. It's also, you know, I, I'm a pescatarian. That's also one thing I don't just run around and share with everyone. And I think that it's, it is, that's, that's sort of a bit of modesty as well. I think it's time and place. And I think it's using that judgment to, inflict points of view on people. And I think that that, that sort of modesty is, is an umbrella for how you conduct yourself. Yeah. Well, it's it, super interesting, Meg. I'm, I, I'm super grateful for the work that you put in over this last month. I can tell that, uh, that this was a fun exercise for you and you got to meet some, some people that, um, you know, really resonated with how you're thinking about things and how you're exploring things. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things I appreciate most is that you've kind of illustrated the mosaic of this issue, right? That, that this is many different pieces that, um, you know, within the sex positive movement in the sex positive world, everybody's kind of in a different place. Um, but it seems like the ethos is is understanding that um, and sort of zooming out and looking at sort of the the awesome picture that that creates when you see everybody kind of where they're at, um, trying to be a little bit more comfortable with where they're at. Um, so so I just want to thank you for the work that you've put in and the thoughts that you've contributed. And uh, I, I think you did an awesome job. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely... I had a ton of fun um, researching all of my guests and just learning more about them. And then also, yeah, where they were coming from, um, the lens of of how they view the world was a ton of fun. Um, and it, it oddly brought me back to my recruiting days, which was <laughs> nice to dip my toe in, but know that I could just run far, far away from that again. <laughs> Um, well, I hope all- it was like all the good parts, like all the parts okay. you liked about the recruiting job with none of the bullshit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, Meg, how can how can listeners follow along to what you're working on and what's what's kind of next around the corner for you? Yeah, Instagram is is always a good spot. That's where I sort of live and breathe most. I'm I'm on there. And it's funny, too, if you want to. Um, message me at all about anything um i definitely respond to dms more so than even like people that text me so uh, <laughs> uh yeah and and um i think that's that's probably the best way also um megzany.com i have a lot of um stuff on there some merch if anyone's interested on t-shirts or stickers um, I also do canvases um, and also work with um, brands and corporations um, on guerrilla campaigns. So um, 
my email, hello at mexaney.com is an awesome place too to reach me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. Awesome. Well, look, before I can let you go, you know how this no, goes. No, to end. I don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> Not this episode specifically, but I'm also, I, I have a phobia of things ending and now I'm like, no, it's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Look, we could talk forever. This could be a 10 hour episode as far as I'm concerned. We could keep oh, this straight course. rolling. It totally good. No, no, it's good. It's good. I think, uh, yeah, we're we're ending on a good note. <laughs> well, look, we gotta. There's there's one last thing we gotta do. Obviously, is the rapid fire section. Are you down for that? <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, well, you know how it goes. I'm just gonna jump into it. Let's do it. All right. This one's a classic. I love this one. So there's a. Well, it's gonna start terrible, and I apologize for that, but it'll come around. So <laughs> a fire happens right in your house or your apartment, wherever you live, and you only have time to run in and grab the three most important things out of your living space. What are the th- the three things that you grab? Jeez. Can the dog and the cat be one item? Uh, yeah. Let's assume that all lives get saved. No okay. loss of life. <laughs> okay. Um, probably, first thing I think would probably be my passport. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I have a couple of pieces of jewelry that are like super important to me. Um, and then maybe my guns. Your guns. There's a story there. What guns do we have <laughs> in the apartment? Eight come. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm into it. Look, I'm from Pennsylvania. Guns are fine with me. <laughs> what, yeah. What kind um, of heat are you packing? Ooh. I have a cu- I have a couple guns. Um, well, I'll just tell you. I'll tell you wh- what the ammo they shoot. One okay. shoots uh, thirty out six. Nice. The others five five six, and then the other um, is forty five. Very nice. Is this are they self defense or is this like a hobby? Yeah, it's so my I inherited them from my father, okay. who was living, um, and. I would love it to be more of a hobby. Like I really enjoy going out and shooting targets and stuff, but um, I just don't have as much time as I would love to put into it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, hobby for sure. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm such a animal lover. You can guarantee that I'll never kill any animals out there. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I have a lot of friends back in Pennsylvania that will talk about like, Look, I get the politics of it, and that's a conversation for a different day. Um, oh, new podcast. Invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody's ever been to a shooting range or, like, gone clay shooting with a shotgun, it's, it's uh, again, politics aside, it is a fun time. So I yeah. feel comfortable saying that. I but, told, I went, I actually went uh, clay shooting last weekend, and it was, like, it was just a ton of fun. It's a You're good just, time, right? It really is. You're out in the open. It's a beautiful day. You got snacks. You know, you're hanging, shooting the shit with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm glad we got this little factoid. That, that, that was a nice one. This is what the rapid fire is all about. <laughs> but uh, all right. Second rapid fire question. If you could rewind the clock and give a piece of advice to teenage Meg Zaney, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good one. It would basically be don't waste time doing what you think you should be doing. It would be 
do what you want to do. Hmm. That's that's one I feel like everyone continues to have to relearn throughout their life, right? Oh, I hope I'm done learning that one. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably just projecting onto you that one. I guess I'm someone that has to relearn that lesson every six months. So I won't project <laughs> that onto the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last but not least, we're going to stick with the advice train. I'm curious to know, we're going to keep this guest host thing rolling we have a couple more guest hosts lined up for uh, the rest of the year. What is your what what advice would you give to our future guest hosts? Have the most fun possible. I think that's what this is all about. And um, yeah, don't stress about it and just just have fun. That's it, really. Yeah, awesome. enjoy listening to your guests. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you did a great job of that, Meg. I could tell that you, you know, you can just tell by the tone of your voice in the interviews that you were having a blast the entire time. So thank you so much. It's, it's been a lot of fun working with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome, Meg. Well, uh, listeners, stay tuned. Next month will be a new theme. Um, I am back in the, in the hosting chair. There will be more guest hosts a little later in the year. Uh, but yeah, check out next week to find out what, uh, what the new theme is. And we're going to continue to have a good time. Thanks so much, Meg. Yeah. See ya. See ya.